Good morning, Lakeview Church. So good to be with you, and uh, for the college students in the room, welcome. We're so glad you're back. And for those of you who are not college students, who just wish you were that young again, welcome to you as well. We're glad you're here too. Uh, it is so good for uh, us all to get to be together in a room like this, to worship God, and to just spend some time in his word. And I want to just say, if this is your very first time with us, or if you're a returning guest, we just want to welcome you and let you know that we're glad that you are here. And I want to say the same thing to those who are joining with us online. I know some of you join us each and every week. You join us from your kitchen table or your living room. Some of you are sitting in that chair in the assisted living facility and you're tuning in. And we just want to say thank you so much for being faithful and being with us every single week. And for those of you who maybe are joining us for the very first time online, we just want to say a very special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Someone is not happy that I am getting up here to preach right now. So, hey, before we get into this morning's message, I'm, I'm excited to share this morning's message with you. We're starting a new series, and I, I will talk about that in just a minute. But before we do, can I just give you an update on Haiti? We've been collecting an offering for Haiti, and uh, we've been working with our partners there, uh, World Hope International, Global Partners, which is the mission arm of the Wesleyan Church, and then Wesleyan Emergency Relief Fund. There's a coordinated effort to provide relief in the nation of Haiti, and we've been uh, participating in that, collecting an offering over the last couple of weeks. And I want to just take a moment to say two things. First of all, uh, as of this morning, we've collected over $1,700. So thank you for that. Some of you have asked, can we still give today? Yes, you can. That's the second thing I wanted to tell you. If you came prepared to give, or if you're hearing about it for the first time, or maybe it's the 10th time, and God's prompting you to give today, we want to just let you know you can do that. You can do that by writing a check made out to Lakeview Wesleyan Church. Just put Haiti in the memo line. That way we'll direct those funds directly to the relief effort in Haiti. If you're giving online, for those of you who prefer to do that or you're joining us online and want to give a gift online, you can simply go to our website, lakeviewwesleyan.org slash give, and at that spot, you can choose other restricted as the fund that you want to give to, and all of those dollars will go directly to Haiti Relief. If you're giving that stuff that's like paper that some of us still carry around in our wallet called cash, you know that stuff, um, you can drop that in an envelope. We have giving boxes right at the back of the room, and there are envelopes there. You can just write Haiti on the outside of the envelope, and again, all of that money would go directly to that. So I just wanted to let you know that before we get started. And then I just have one more thing that I want to invite you to participate in, and that's Church at the Y. Now, we are going to relocate church service just for one Sunday in two weeks on September 19th. So next Sunday, which is September 12th, we're in this room. Don't go to the Y next week. It will not be open for us. We'll be here on September 12th. But on September 19th, we're going to the YMCA, which is in downtown Marion. We're going to go down there, and we're going to have church there. It's going to be a church service. We're going to have a picnic. We've got games that we're going to have. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. Meal will be provided. It's going to be a fun day for everybody who's involved. And uh, some of you have asked, why are we doing that? Well, because we want to work out more at the Y. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're doing it because we, we have two reasons we're doing it, two primary reasons. One is we want every single person in our county to have repeated opportunities to hear 
and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And believe it or not, there are people who aren't really comfortable coming into a church building like this one. And so rather than wait for them to get comfortable, we're going to go to a place where many people in our community are already comfortable going. They go there to work out. They go there to play basketball. We're going to go there, and for that Sunday morning, we're going to have church, and in that church service, we're going to present the gospel, and we're going to give people an opportunity to decide to follow Jesus. And so that's why we're doing it. That's the primary reason. The second reason we're doing it is because part of our five-year vision, which we just, for those of you who are newer here, we just spent an entire year as a congregation going through a vision discernment process and kind of saying, God, where do you want to take us over the next five years? And what came out of that as we work together as a congregation is that we want to see a campus that we would start of our church closer to downtown. And that campus would house weekly worship gatherings. It would be a place where we could offer support groups and counseling services from our uh, counseling center. It would be a place where we could gather for small group and for discipleship. It would be a place where we could actually go there and minister to the needs of our city right at the heart of downtown. And so going to the Y is not that campus, but it's a step in that direction. And so I want to invite you to just do four things We're not even in the message yet. I'm giving you four things, okay? But just hang with me. I think they're all simple. First, would you commit to pray? I really believe, and what I've been praying for over the last couple of months, really, is that God would let us be a place where souls are saved. And some of us might think that that's old-fashioned language or that that's kind of from yesteryear, but I just want to let you know God is still saving souls. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus was raised again. And we're going to present the gospel at the Y on September 19th. And I'm praying that as we go canvas neighborhoods and as you invite your friends, that there will be people in the room who don't know Jesus and we'll get an opportunity to tell them about who Jesus is and invite them. So would you pray for September 19th to be effective? Second thing I want you to do is I want you to come. Don't say, well, it's church at the Y and I only like church at Lakeview, so I'm not going. Please don't do that. Please come. We want you to be there. We want you to be in the room. We want you to bring all of your energy and all of your excitement. And third thing, bring your friends. You have people in your network of relationships who don't know Jesus and who maybe aren't super comfortable coming into this building, so invite them to the Y. It's a great opportunity for you to invite your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers to come to church, church at the Y. And then the last thing, and this may be the most important for those of you who call Lakeview Church your church home, we need you to serve. This is an all-hands-on-deck kind of event. We have got all kinds of things going on. We're going to need people to direct traffic. We're going to need people to greet at the doors. We're going to need people to hand things out inside of the space. We're going to need setup and teardown. We're looking for people who will go out the few days before the event into the neighborhood surrounding the Y and invite people to church. We need people who will hand out food and who will man the cornhole tournament and watch over the inflatables so that no kids are damaged in the making of this event. It's okay to laugh. It's okay. It's church, but you can laugh. It's, it's acceptable. 
Okay, we just, we, there's just a lot of projects, a lot of jobs, and we need you to be a part of it. And some of you said, I'm not comfortable texting that number. Well, can you, if, if you're not comfortable texting the number or scanning the QR code, can you just come talk to me? I got a piece of paper, and we'll sign your name up, and I'll give you a job. Because we need everybody to work to make this event successful. This is our first major outreach of the fall. And really, it's the first major outreach event we've done since COVID started. So this is a big deal. I want everybody to be a part of that. So would you commit to help make Church at the Y successful? And would you be in prayer? Would you come? And would you invite your friends? Okay? Are we good? Would you like to hear a message this morning? Or are you like, that's enough already. Can we just go home? Let's pray together, and then we're going to jump into this morning's message. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the service we have already experienced. You're here, you're in this room, you're ministering to us. We praise you, we thank you, we worship you. And God, we come right now in this moment as we just give these next few minutes to the message that you've laid on my heart, the message that comes right out of the scripture that was read earlier, would you take these moments and would you make it not my voice, but yours? And would you open all of our ears so that we hear you speaking clearly to us so that we can become the people that you want us to be? We give you this time and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. So uh, this morning is a message that I started writing two or three years ago, believe it or not. I was traveling around, I was part of the Crossroads District of the Wesleyan Church, and I was traveling around visiting different churches on Sunday morning. I was working with leadership teams in churches, trying to become more effective in the mission of Jesus. And, and as I was doing all of that, I was also kind of personally reflecting and praying over the church in North America, which seems, by all accounts, to be underperforming. Eight out of every ten local congregations is either plateaued or in decline. Eight out of every ten. Of the two out of ten that aren't plateaued or declining, they're growing, but they're growing as a result of the eight out of ten that are declining because people are leaving those churches and going to others. So what that means is that, by and large, the church in North America is not really winning very well. Because we're not actually advancing the kingdom. We're not actually growing the reach of Jesus Christ in the world, at least in our part of the world. And what we know is that uh, more churches will close their doors over the next seven years than at any point in the history of the modern church. That's what's happening in the church today. And so I was doing some personal reflection. I was doing a lot of thinking, a lot of praying. I was saying, Lord, what, what's the answer? And surprisingly, or perhaps not surprising at all, the answer is not found in something new. It's actually found in something old, something ancient, something that's thousands of years old that we just have gotten away from in the church of Jesus Christ. And what it is, is this reality of learning how to make disciples who make disciples. 
You see, the church in North America has lost its bearings because we decided that organizations could make disciples. We thought that events like a Sunday morning service would make disciples. And so we, we got into this mode where we created these big organizations and we put on these big events and we expected that to actually make disciples that would change the world. Except that's not what Jesus had in mind. And what he says is kind of important because it's his church. Jesus actually never came to create an organization, and he certainly didn't come just to create some kind of event. Jesus came to actually change lives who are then used by him to change the lives of others. Christianity at its core is essentially a relational faith. We come into a relationship with God, we're changed in that relationship. We build relationships with others who are not in relationship with God, and then we help them enter into a relationship with God. And on and on that cycle goes until the world is discipled. This is the, the method of Jesus. And so as I found myself working with these local churches and saying, Lord, how do I help local churches become more effective? He took me to the passage that was read earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I cannot tell you how many times over the last three years I have preached on this passage. Dozens and dozens in every church. The, the difference between working in the district office and working in a local church is that in the district office, you can get really good at that one sermon because it's a different congregation every single week. But then you come into a church and you got you to gotta have a new one every week. But I preached on this passage not because I wanted to get good at the message, but because I think there's something inside of this message that the church needs to know today. So we're going to spend this week and the next two weeks in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because I think it outlines a discipleship pathway for the church, a pathway that helps us become disciples and it helps us become the kind of people who make disciples, the kind of people that God is working inside of us to change us and makes us into the kind of people that he can use to change the world. And I'm going to just give you the whole series in 90 seconds, not because I don't want you to come back the next two weeks, but because I want you to see the big picture before we dig into it deeper. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what we learn is that this whole idea of the Christian journey is really about following Jesus. Right? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And if we follow Jesus long enough, if we come into a relationship with Jesus and we walk with Jesus long enough, we become, as the NIV version says of this passage, the very righteousness of God. So, so we learn that if we want to be disciples, we have to follow Jesus, not just to be forgiven by him, but to actually be changed by him so that we become the very righteousness of God. 
In this passage, we're told not just that following Jesus is important, being in Jesus is important, but we're also told that as we walk with Jesus, we learn that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. In other words, the longer you walk with Jesus, the more generous you become. Because you realize the longer you walk with Jesus that your life is not your own. It belongs to him and he can use it however he wants to. So rather than holding on to your life, you let go. And God can use it however he wants. And when people are following Jesus and learning to live generously, guess what happens with their life? God uses them to make a difference. When, when people see that you are becoming more and more like Jesus in a world that's not like Jesus at all, and they see that you're not selfish or stingy, but you're generous and you're open-handed and you give and you serve and you love, guess what happens? People begin to open themselves up to the message that you have to share and you get to be used by God to make a difference. This is the discipleship pathway. We follow Jesus, we live generously, and we make a difference. And that's what we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks. And I wanna start at the beginning with following Jesus. So I wanna encourage you, if you have a Bible, to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter five, because we're gonna, we're gonna dig into that passage a little bit. At the end of this message, I'm gonna give you some next steps that you can take, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to what we're talking about today. So I want you just to be leaning in for these next few minutes as we share together. The Christian faith, first thing I want you to see and know is what we've already said this morning, the Christian faith is all about following Jesus. It is all about following Jesus. Paul says, the guy who wrote this paragraph that we're looking at this morning is writing to these Christians in the city of Corinth, which by the way was a worldly city, had all kinds of influences that weren't Christian. It was a, a place of commerce and trade and there were all kinds of people, all kinds of philosophies, all kinds of ideologies. And inside of that place, there was this group of Christians and Paul's writing this letter to them. And in this letter, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And then he continues on and he gets to the end of this passage and he says that people who are in Christ, those who are new creations, they actually become the very righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, the Christian faith, the Christian journey, it's all about following Jesus. And, and we love this metaphor of journey because it reminds us that Christianity is not a, it's not a destination. It's not a place that we arrive at. Christianity at its core is this journey. It has a starting point and it has an end goal. And we move from where we are today to where God wants us to be. It's a journey. We don't, we don't just come to a place where we're forgiven and we're in, like we made it into the club, and then we just kind of hang out. No, we come to faith, and it's like a starting line. And we put our faith in Jesus, and we begin to journey with him, and the journey takes us somewhere. It takes us from where we are to where God wants us to be. 
The writer of the book of Hebrews talks about this journey in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is what he says. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. How do we run this race? Look at the next phrase. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. For every human being on this planet, for me and for you, and everyone you will ever lock eyes with, God has a race that he wants us to run, a journey that he wants us to take from where we are today to the person that God wants us to be. And who initiates the journey? Jesus. Jesus is the one who welcomes us back into relationship with God. Jesus is the one who forgives our sins. Jesus is the one who welcomes us into the family of God. To anyone who believes on the name of Jesus, he gives them the right to be called children of God. Jesus initiates the journey. And Jesus perfects the journey in us. He perfects our faith as we walk with him, as we talk with him, as we learn from him. He actually works inside of us and he makes us more like himself. I love what Dallas Willard says about the spiritual journey. He says the spiritual journey is about learning to live my life as if Jesus were living life in my place. That's a great picture. Jesus initiates our journey and he perfects our journey, which means if we're going to take the journey, who should we look at? Jesus. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The Christian journey is all about following him. And, and we should follow Jesus for a whole lot of reasons, which we, we can't list them all in these few minutes I have left. But we can list a few of them. When we follow Jesus, what happens is it allows us first and foremost to experience forgiveness. Right? Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And some of you need to hear that today. Because you walked into this room and maybe people around you know the kind of life and baggage that you're bringing with you into this room, and maybe they don't, but you know. Maybe it's bad choices you've made in your past. Maybe it's destructive patterns of behavior. Maybe it's just a, a way of life that you've been engaged in that you know is not what God has for you, and it's not producing the results you want, but you don't know how to get out of it, and you're just bringing all of that with you into this room. And I just wanna let you know today that the good news of Jesus Christ is that today you can put your faith in him and when you put your faith in him, your life is changed. You experience forgiveness. All of that past stuff is forgiven in a moment. You are set free from all of that. You get a brand new start, a clean slate, a fresh beginning. Some of you know that I like whiteboards. I kind of have an infatuation with them. I just, think, I just think you think better when there's a whiteboard in the room. 
And so I had this whiteboard that was put in my office, and it's a big one. And it's, it's, it's so big, I can't even, you know, I'm short anyway, but I can't even hardly reach the top of it. It's up there. And, and, and I, was, I would write on there, I would write ideas and ministries that we wanted to start. And I was sketching out all of this stuff I was hearing from you as we were going through our vision discernment process. And sermons begin on that whiteboard. And, 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 and what I started to notice is that uh, the whiteboard didn't erase anymore. In fact, someone said, I know what your problem is. You're not using a dry erase marker. You're using a permanent marker, which wasn't true. They were dry erase markers, but they lasted like permanent on this whiteboard. As it turns out, uh, this whiteboard came from like the turn of the century. And so it just didn't work anymore. It just lost its life. But here's what I noticed. I would erase And all of the past was still there. So I had John order me a new whiteboard. And now when I erase the whiteboard, it's clean. Like the past never happened. That's that's what Jesus does in our lives. There's not a residual of the marks that sin leaves on our lives. It's just wiped clean. The the Bible says in one place that what God does is he takes our sin and he removes it as far as the east is from the west. In other words, he he just removes it and you can't even find a trace of it anymore. Some of you need to hear that today because you're carrying baggage that you just need to lay down and you need to experience forgiveness in Jesus today. At the end of this message, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do just that. We need to follow Jesus because it allows us to experience forgiveness. We also need to follow Jesus because it allows us to build our lives on a solid foundation. We were singing about this earlier when we were singing about building our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come just so you could be forgiven, though he does that. And we're grateful for that because we need to be set free from all of that past baggage. But Jesus wants to do more than that. He wants to go down to the bedrock and lay a foundation that you can stand on. And this is especially important in the middle of a world that's chaotic and turbulent and shifting all of the time. I don't know if you've noticed, but our world has gone crazy Things that we have held true for a long time are being deconstructed and thrown out as if they're not important at all. And people are finding their lives being shaky. And here's what's most concerning is that while I would expect the world to be chaotic and turbulent and shaky and shifting all of the time, I would expect that inside of the church, those of us who know Jesus and who live our lives according to the word of God, that we would be standing firm in the middle of a shaky world and that our lives would be a testimony. And yet what I find, unfortunately, in so many instances is that the church right along with the world is shifting and changing right along because we don't have a solid foundation. And you know what Jesus says about foundations for our lives? 
Jesus said, whoever hears these words, these teachings of mine, and puts them into practice, well, that person, he's a wise person. She's a wise person because they've, they've dug down, they've found the rock, and then they've built their house upon a solid foundation so that when the winds come and when the rains come, the house stands the test of time. It endures. It lasts. And Jesus said, whoever doesn't hear my teaching or refuses to obey my teaching, well, that person is foolish. They're like the person that built their house on the sand. And, and, and that person, though their house might be beautiful, and though it might be standing today, when the wind comes, when, when, when the rain comes, it's all going to wash away. And that house, even though it might be beautiful, it's going to come down with a mighty crash. Jesus said, if you want to be a wise person, you got to dig down and put your life on the bedrock. What does that mean for us? It means we have to find out the teachings of Jesus, and we have to live in accordance with them. One of the reasons that our world and one of the reasons why people inside of the church are shifting and changing in their faith is because they've decided the Bible is not something to align their lives to. It's a jumping off place from which they can go live their lives. And I just want to be real clear here at Lakeview Church. When we talk about following Jesus, we want you to experience forgiveness, become a brand new creation, but then we want to help you dig down to the bedrock of the teachings of the word of God, not to find a place that you can jump off from and do whatever you want to do with your life. We want you to find the way of God and the will of God in the word of God so that you can align your life to its teaching. That's what it means to be a Christian. Make no mistake about it. In our world today, people will talk about finding my truth, and they'll tell you to find your truth. I just want to let you know, there's only one truth in our world that matters, and it ain't yours. It's in the word of God. It's the scriptures. It, it's it's the, the teaching that reveals who God is and what God desires from our life. So we follow Jesus so that we can experience forgiveness. We can become new creations. And we follow Jesus so that we can find that solid foundation to build our lives on. And then there's one more thing. We follow Jesus because by following Jesus, we can find freedom. We can find freedom. See, the reality is, is that in our lives, though we become new creations, the reality is, is that we have spent our entire lives before we became a new creation, we, we spent our entire lives being formed in a way of living. And so though we become a brand new creation and we're forgiven, we get a clean slate, we get a fresh start, a brand new beginning, as wonderful as that is, the reality is, is that as we walk with Jesus, there are things from our past, patterns of behavior, ways that we have been formed in thinking and in behaving, in attitudes and in mindsets and in lifestyles that we have to actually ask God to set us free from. It's sin that tries to tangle itself around our feet because the enemy knows that if our feet are tangled up, we can't run the race that God has marked out for us. And so the enemy is always trying to tangle us up with sin, to weigh us down, to keep us from running the race. But in Jesus, we can find 
freedom. This is what Paul writes, right? New creatures in Christ who become the very righteousness of God. We experience transformation as we walk with Jesus. We are set free from our sin. And Paul's not writing about something here that he doesn't know about because in another letter that he writes to Christians in Rome, Paul kind of gives his own testimony. And I think you might be able to identify with his testimony. I know I can identify Paul says this in Romans chapter 7, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody ever been there before? He says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power, he says, makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And if we stop there in that sentence, we are discouraged and defeated along with Paul. Paul's saying, listen, I want to do what's right, but on it, I can't find the strength to do what's right. I always end up doing what's wrong. And even though I love God's law with all of my heart, even though I have this deep desire inside of me to do what God's asking me to do, I can't seem to find the strength to break free from this power that keeps waging war against me. I'm a miserable person. Who will rescue me? Thankfully for us, Paul doesn't stop his testimony there. He goes to the next verse and he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I didn't put this next verse on the screen, but Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, listen, there is another power that wants to keep you tangled up so that you don't run the race. But Jesus Christ has won the victory. He has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so whatever is holding on to your life is not powerful enough to keep you from running the race that God has for you to run. He can set you free so that you can run the race that God God has marked out for you. You guys are getting good at that. We follow Jesus because we can experience forgiveness. We follow Jesus because we can find a solid foundation to build our lives on. And we follow Jesus because in him we can find freedom so that we can run the race. So I'm going to invite the band to come back. They're going to lead us in a closing song. And while they're coming, I want to give you very quickly four steps that I think you can take in your journey of following Jesus. Four next steps. First, some of you need to start. When I was talking about coming up to the starting line, some of you in this room just realized I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I've never come to the starting line ready to run the race. I'm not even sure if, if I want to follow Jesus. I just came to church because my friend made me come. Or I'm here and I don't even know why I'm here. I had someone tell me that a couple weeks ago. I just came. I'm not even sure why I'm here. I just drive by and I thought I should come in. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've never really considered what it means to follow Jesus. For you today, you can start the journey. 
Starting the journey just simply means that you put your trust in Jesus Christ, that you, you decide in this moment that you're gonna ask him to forgive your sins. You're gonna ask him to welcome you into the family of God and you're asking him to change the trajectory of your life, to change you from walking your own path and running your own race to turning and going in a different direction, to follow him and to run the race that he's marked out before you. And in just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to let me know that that's you. There are others of you in the room, you've already started the journey and there's another next step for you. You don't need to start, you've already started. For you, you just need to read. You need to actually pick up the word of God and begin to read it. You don't need to read for an hour a day. And in fact, if you're not reading the Bible daily right now, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not reading the Bible daily, don't try to read it for an hour because you'll quit by Tuesday. I promise you, just, just give it five minutes. Just say for five minutes every day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in the scriptures. You say, well, where would, I, where would I read? Well, don't start in Leviticus. Here's what I would recommend that you do. I'd recommend that you, uh, if you have a smartphone, just download the YouVersion Bible app, search for a reading plan, and start. Just give it five minutes and read the scriptures. And here's what I want you to do. I don't want you just to check the box to say you did it. I want you, when you begin reading, to say, God, can you speak to me through your word today? Because the point is not reading. The point is hearing his voice. Some of you need to start. Some of you need to read. Third, some of you need to make a commitment to gather. Right, you're here this morning. So maybe I'm preaching to the choir. But some of us find church as kind of when it seems convenient, I'll go. I just want to remind you, Christianity is a communal faith. You can't actually love Jesus and not go to church. That's not, that's not how it works. Because this group of people is the body of Christ. So if you love Jesus, you love this body. That's just the way it works. And as the writer of the book of Hebrews says, we should not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And we should definitely not give up meeting together even more so as the final day approaches. Why? Because we need to be together in this place so that we can encourage one another in love and in good deeds. So some of us need to gather. We need to make that a commitment. And then some of us need to join a group. In fact, I would say all of us need to join a group. As we move into this fall, we've got groups that are meeting on Sunday morning, what historically maybe would have been called Sunday school. You can find one of those groups and you can plug in there. For some of you, Sunday morning will be the most convenient time of your week to come to a group and to be a part of the gathering. I wanna encourage you to do that. 
Others of you need encouragement later in the week, and you might want to join a group that meets on Tuesday night or, or Thursday morning or Wednesday afternoon. Whenever you can find a group that fits your schedule and, and matches up with your life, I just want to ask you to get in a group. Why would you do that? Because we all need big group gatherings like this where we worship God together, but we also need a small group gathering where we turn and face one another. And we study the scriptures together and we pray for one another and we confess our sins so that we can be healed as the book of James says. We let people know how we're struggling so that we can be encouraged and lifted up. You can't live this life on your own. You need a group of people to walk with you in the journey. And that's not just young people, it's old people too and everybody in between. It's not just people who live in Marion year round and it's not just people who are snowbirds. Though I, I, I just want to open a ministry to snowbirds and go to Florida every year in the middle of our winters because they are not fun. Listen, groups are not just for a small group of people, just a, a little select group. It's for everybody. College students, get involved. You need us and we need you. You can't become everything God wants you to be without us and we can't become everything we need to be without you. Join us in this journey of following Jesus. Now we're getting ready to sing a song, but before we do, I want to invite you to stand with me. I said I would give you an opportunity to respond, and here's what I want to do. I want everybody just for a moment to bow your heads. I don't want anybody looking around because there are some people in the room who need to start the journey. I promise you in this next moment, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or in any way draw attention to you. Nobody right now is looking around. All I want you to do, if you are ready today to start the journey, I just want you to raise your hand. And I want you to raise it up high so I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, you can put your hands down. I want to pray specifically for those uh, who raise their hands. And then I want to just invite those who raise their hands right at the end of the service. I'm going to be right up front and I would love to just have a moment to just touch base with you and help you start your journey. So let's pray together and then we're going to sing this song. Lord, you are a good God. And we are so grateful that you've invited us into a journey of following Jesus, a journey where we can be made new, a journey where we can find a solid bedrock to build our lives on, a journey where we can find freedom from the sin that so easily tangles us up. Thank you for the journey. And so now, God, as we lift up this prayer and these songs to you, Lord, I simply ask that you would be with these two that have raised their hands to begin the journey. Would you meet them right where they are right now? Forgive them of their sins. Make them brand new creations and help them start the journey with you. Jesus, we want to run to you today. You are Lord and you reign. So we lift you up this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen.